The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Today's word is electromobility. I know it sounds a little made up, but we'll tell you what it means. So here's our topic, charge. If you're a greenie eyeing an EV, insiders know that's an electrical vehicle. Electric vehicle, outsiders, now you know. If you're eyeing an EV as your next car, there's a lot to consider. Think about the battery pack size. Yeah. Think about the driving range of plug-in hybrids. We'll talk about those versus the all-electric variety. Think about the impacts on the power grid. You know that big stuff that powers everything we do. Think about the ongoing maintenance costs and more. Let me do a little bit of level setting. Electric cars were popular in the late 19th century and early 20th century, but guess what? Internal combustion engine technology and mass production of cheaper gas vehicles led to their decline. But here's what's going on. November 2012, where we are right now. Series production of highway-capable electric cars available in some countries include, and it's a long list, the Tesla Roadster, the Revi, the Buddy, the Mitsubishi iMiev, the Nissan Leaf, the Smart ED, the Wego Whiplife, the Mia Electric, the BYDE6, the Bolloré Blue Car, the Renault Fluence ZE, the Ford Focus Electric, the BMW ActiVe, the Coda, the Tesla Model S, and the Honda Fit EV. I'm exhausted already. The world's top-selling highway-capable all-electric cars, Nissan Leaf, has 42,000 units sold worldwide through last month, and the Mitsubishi iMiev sold over 18,000 with 6,500 as the Peugeot Ion and the Citroen C0 in Europe. Wow. I've got four experts who are going to talk to us about this. We're going to start in a few minutes with Christine Herzog from SmartGrid. She says a consumer-centric EV, that's electric vehicle market maturity model, could help accelerate EV adoption. Makes sense? We'll ask Christine to expand in a moment. Ala Owena is with us, and he says the gradual electrification of transport is coming, increasing the demand for power at a time when utilities are already under immense pressure. We know that. What impact will electric vehicles have on their business, and what do they mean for smart grid investment? Great questions, Ala. We'll talk to you in a moment. We're also welcoming Sam Jaffe. Sam says, he quotes Maimonides, talk about going back in time, teach your mouth to say, I don't know, and then progress will be made. Words of wisdom from way back when. And Mauricio Catano is with us, and he says, in the more densely populated areas of the world, electric vehicles will soon make up 10 to 15% of the cars on the road. Hmm, that may not sound like money, but if all of those vehicles would charge at the same time, today's electricity grid would not be able to cope. And here's the dreaded word, blackouts would almost be inevitable. We have a lot to talk about with Maurizio. So I 
ask the question, is electromobility green gratification or gratuitous grandstanding? I made that up, but it's a good topic for thought. Join us today for more insights on charge driving global electromobility. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. Before I introduce my guests, I just want to tell all of my listeners I have a great free something for you. If you're a game changer on the go, look on our show page on Voice America Business and you'll see a banner for Game Changers on the go. So go click and we'll send you to our free offers page. We have a free CIO playbook on how mobility can transform your business. Okay, now let's get to it, Christine Herzog, Managing Director of the Smart Grid Library. She's a consultant and author, and I love this, a professional explainer. She's the author of Smart Grid Dictionary and co-author of the Smart Grid Consumer Focus Strategy. Hello, Christine. How are you today? I'm fine, Bonnie. Thanks. How are you doing? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Glad that the power issues are over here on the on the East Coast and we're back to normal. I hear so much noise. Brad, can we can we clear that line? And we'll talk to Christine in a minute. Sam Jaffe is a research manager at IDC responsible for researching, writing, and editing qualitative and quantitative reports and presentations covering automotive topics, including connected vehicle technologies, energy storage, electric vehicle integration on the grid and drivetrain. Sam Jaffe, welcome. Thank you very much. Glad to have you on board. And let's get to Ala Oena is a senior analyst, energy and sustainable technology at Ovum. We love having guests from Ovum on the show. Ala focuses on the utilities industry and the role of information technology in its transition to greater economic and environmental sustainability. I think that's what we're really talking about here and efficiency. Ala, welcome to Coffee Break. How are you? Hello. I'm, I'm well, thank you. Good. Thanks for joining us. I'm Maurizio Cataneo from SAP is the global lead for utilities and part of the global energy and natural resources hub in SAP services. Maurizio is an electronic engineer with many years of experience as a customer before moving into consulting, and he's been having a special interest in utilities since 1999, way back. How are you, Maurizio? Very well. Thank you for having me on the call. Lovely to have you join us today. So, Christine, let's deep dive. A consumer-centric EV market maturity model could help accelerate EV adoption. What are we talking about? Well, what I'm talking about is uh, just uh, looking at history and uh, can we possibly learn from it here because um, we, we had the same issue with uh, uh, rooftop solar that we now have with EVs. It's uh, a big infrastructure play, and it's something new and different. So if you look at the way adoption curves typically go for new technologies, uh, you have the dedicated hobbyists, you know, the people who are willing to do it all themselves, to do all the research, figure out everything. But when you want to really start seeing adoption levels rise on the new technology, you've got to come up with business models that are going to make it easy for the, the vast majority of consumers who have an interest but don't necessarily have the time or the inclination to do all the research, do all the legwork themselves. What we now see, for example, here in California where I live, uh, there are some innovative companies that have created business models where they do all of that work for you in terms of helping you get rooftop solar set up on your house. So my challenge to the uh, companies that are actually making the uh, electric vehicles is think about the early days of the automobile. I bet you 
the first dealerships that were selling Model Ts were also the gas stations because there was no other infrastructure in that town. That was going to be the point of Phillips. So maybe what we need to do to start thinking about this differently is put the charging stations uh, you know, into those dealerships and think about ways that we can help make it easy for consumers to do all the paperwork, all the processing of um, permitting, et cetera, to get uh, charging stations into their homes, too. Thank you, Christine. Quick question for you. Green gratification or gratuitous grandstanding? What's your POV on the, the existence of electromobility as far as EVs go? I don't think it's either of those. I think it's really a matter of, for every country, economic and energy security. Okay, good no point. Longer, uh, I'm sorry, well, we're no longer transporting uh, fuels that are uh, highly exportable. Uh, you have a lot more ability to control pricing and uh, therefore uh, are not um, so heavily influenced by global factors anymore. Thank you very much. Great points. Ala Owena, you say the gradual electrification of transport is coming. Well, it's already here. Increasing the demand for power at a time when utilities are under immense pressure. And you ask the question, what impact will EVs have on their business and smart grid investment? Ala, tell me a little bit more about your statement, please. Well, um, basically, if you look at if you look at the uh, pie chart for energy consumption, uh, somewhere like the U.S., uh, transport would be something like a quarter of energy use. Uh, and at the moment, that's all uh, fossil fuels, uh, pretty much. I mean, there's a small, small slice that is electrical already. Uh, but uh, when, when, that, when that pie starts moving, that bit of the pie starts moving from fossil fuel to uh, the, the electrical grid, that, that adds a huge load of, um, of extra energy, extra power that needs to be delivered through the grid. Um, so that's, that's something that utilities really need to worry about, and they are worrying about already. Uh, but at the same time, there's, there's, a, there's a bit of an opportunity there because it, 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 gives, um, it gives utilities a lot more of an impetus to, to invest in their, really, in their ailing infrastructure. It also uh, gives them a, a, good, a good business case. I mean, uh, you know, there the are different models that you could use to, to charge electric vehicles, but... Uh, you know, it's not a bad thing for the utilities to have a bigger market. So, so there's a chance. There's a chance there to uh, have a stronger business case for investing in their infrastructure. At the same time, um, and this isn't the case at the moment because the economics don't work uh, because of the way uh, electric, because of the way batteries work in electric vehicles. But mm-hmm. there is a there is a there's an opportunity in the future for using electric vehicles vehicles for energy storage. Uh, now there, there are lots of challenges with that because because of the way the batteries work, because uh, of the of the difficulty in knowing uh, when people are going to plug in their cars and where. Uh, but you know, one of the big problems with using um, with using renewables is that they they're not always running and they're not running when you need them. So if you if you can use electric vehicles to store some of that energy. Uh, then, uh, you know, there, there's a, there, there are lots of opportunities there, not just threats for the utilities. Thank you. All good points. It sounds to me like there's a partnership in a requirement where we all work together. Give us the vehicles, give us the smart grid capabilities and the capacity. Let's talk to Sam Jaffe. Teach your mouth to say I don't know and then progress will be made, quoting the great Maimonides. What were you thinking when you told me this, Sam? So I, what I was thinking was that we are at the very beginning stages of the electrification of the drivetrain. And I, I personally believe that we will eventually have a fully electric drivetrain, that every car will have some form of electric drivetrain. 
um, whether that means a fully electric car or a slightly um, slightly hybridized internal combustion engine, otherwise known as a micro-hybrid, but that eventually there will be an, el- an electric element to every drivetrain of every vehicle in the world. When that happens is a really good question, and there's lots of potential answers to that, but um, to, you know, we can go off on many tangents as to, to how, how long it will take for that to happen. But what, what's important at this stage in the very early rollout of the, um, of the, of the, the vehicles is to look at what we do know, not what we don't know. And, um, and, and recognize that we don't know how long it will take and we don't know if I'm correct that every car will eventually have an electric version of a drivetrain. Um, but what we do know in these first two years of sales of these vehicles is that some have been successful and some have not. And those that have been successful have been those that, number one, offer something beyond just simply electrifying the drivetrain. In other words, they, they have better performance or they have a better infotainment system because of what the, the battery power provides you or something that gives you something that's different from your traditional car. And as an example, the Tesla Model S, which is so far appears to be a very successful car, and it is an incredible car. It's, it's really, you know, on the level of a $100,000 car, but, but it's selling for $60,000. So it's in the, the Lexus. BMW, high-end BMW range, but it's, you know, it, it really offers you something in terms of driving performance that, that is better than those cars right now. Um, you know, people are going to want to buy it because it's electric, but you, that's going to be a small percentage of the population. But those that go beyond that, how do you get the sales to go beyond that small percentage? You offer something that's, that's, that you don't have with a traditional car. Same Makes with the Chevy Volt. Mm-hmm. Sam, you know what, we're going to, Sam, let's save it for the next segment because I'm up against the break and I'm going to tell Mauricio Catania we're going to start after the break with you because we didn't get to your quote and then everybody can jump in. We have so much to talk about here today on Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're going to go to break. When we come back, I'm going to ask my four esteemed guests, Christine Herzog, Ala Owena, Sam Jaffe, and Mauricio Catania, what they are drinking, what's in their cup today. I bet it's something supercharged because we're talking about driving global electromobility. We'll be right back. Back in 54 seconds, I promise, don't even think of touching that app. Brad, out! When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com 
And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are. Christine Herzog, what are you drinking today? Oh, I've got my usual green tea. Okay, tell me a little more. Come on, give me a little more. Is it is it powering you? I know it's it's decaf, but what's so special about green tea to you, Christina? Christine? Oh well, actually, it does have a little bit of caffeine and and just enough to keep me going here. Um, and uh, it's also a nice warming beverage. Uh, and as we t- move into uh, chillier uh, temperatures here in California, it certainly is nice to uh, to help keep me. Um, uh, comfortable here in my home. So I will add that my uh, tea is powered by electricity, so that's how I get it um, heated up for me. That makes perfectly good sense, given your background at the Smart Rib Library. Thank you. Ala Awena, what are you drinking today, Ala? Where are you? Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from London, and living in Britain, I am obviously obsessed with black tea with milk. And um, there is a, there's actually a good link with uh, electric vehicles there, because one of the dreaded moments that uh, utilities in the UK have is this moment when there's an ad break on a popular TV show and everybody gets up and turns their kettles on at the same time to make tea. Uh, and that's the worst demand peak for electricity. For now, when electric vehicles come online, it might be when people come home from work and all plug in at the same time. That's a charming story. That's the first time we've ever heard that. So nice, nice to know. And Sam Jaffe, where are you calling from today and what's in your cup, Sam? I'm calling from Boulder, Colorado, and I'm on my second cup of coffee. And since I am an energy efficiency expert, I am in the process of trying to reduce from three cups a day to two cups a day. In the third day of that and the first two days, I've drank three cups a day. Okay. So what what kind of today. coffee? What What is Sam Jaffe's favorite coffee? What are you trying to give up, Sam? You know what? I'm not a coffee snob. I drink whatever goes into the machine. So. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. And it, Mauricio, could t- yeah, go ahead. What else, Sam? Go ahead. It, it's the uh, it's the caffeine that I'm after, not the uh, not the taste of the coffee. I see. You like the kick. Okay, Mauricio Catania, where are you calling from, and what's in your cup today, Mauricio? Yeah, I'm calling from uh, west of London, on in the countryside. Very nice day today. It's a bit cold. So my favorite is, would be espresso or real coffee, <coughs> Italian really? espresso, the short. And frankly, it's uh, an excuse. I'm, I'm a, I like coffee breaks m- mostly for the cookies. So depending on the time <laughs> of the year, I, I try okay. to find the most suitable for whatever cake or cookie I find in the kitchen. So at the moment, <laughs> I'm drinking a bit of coffee with a chocolate uh, cookie. That sounds delicious. I'll be right over. And I have to tell you that Malcolm Kimberlin, our, our stalwart tweeter and, and uh, co-producer of the show, is stuck in a hotel, I think, in Chicago. We have no name for the hotel, so no aspersions will be cast. He said he's having hotel coffee and wishing, of course, Malcolm, you are, that he could have his favorite equator coffee, but not today. So let's dive back into our topic, driving global electromobility. And since we didn't quite get to Maurizio in the first segment, let's go into your quote, Maurizio, and then we'll 
we'll kick off from there. And Sam, I want to hear more about the models. And Ala and Christine, you can jump in. So Maurizio says, in the more densely populated areas of the world, electric vehicles will soon make up 10 to 15 percent of the vehicles on the road. That may not sound like many, but if all of those would charge at the same time, today's electricity grid would not be able to cope and blackouts would be almost inevitable. You're scaring me, Maurizio. I'm in New York. I had partial power for 10 days. I had no cable for eight days. I have neighbors who didn't get power back for 12 days because of the hurricane. So we do not like blackouts for any reason. Don't tell me that electric vehicles are going to get so popular that we're just going to have blackouts because. So talk to me, Maurizio. Give me some background on your statistics, please. Well, you know, uh, I started looking at uh, um, EV mainly because um, at least in Europe, or in the densely, you know, big cities, pollution is a big problem. So, and road transportation is definitely one of the, the biggest contributors. So, EV is one of the hot topics. You know, you get a lot of tax breaks, uh, contribution from the government, discounts from the suppliers. They all tell you that in, uh, electric vehicles are very cheap to run. You know, we're talking about two pence a minute or two, um, a mile or two cents a mile, that kind of stuff. So I started looking at it. It's also cool. You know, I always remember the movies when you see these electric cars. Uh, and I've always uh, thought about buying one. But then uh, being an engineer, you start looking, okay, what's the infrastructure? What do you need to run it? How is it going to work? And, and it scared me when I found out that, you know, at least in some areas, or most of the areas in the UK, the infrastructure wouldn't be able to cope with um, large numbers. And when we say large numbers, we're not talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands, but, you know, been told that in my street, if two or three cars get uh, connected to the chargers at the same time, we would have the blackout. So mm. I started looking at why utilities are, are not, or in general, why the, the society and the, and the companies are not looking at what is needed in terms of infrastructure to make it work, make it work because people are getting more and more interested to EVs. You know, you get a lot of... Uh, ads, you know, cool cars on the TV. But the worst thing that we, 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 we might find is that people start buying and then you can get them to use because uh, something goes wrong with the, with the infrastructure. So I'm, I'm not trying to scare people away from EV. I'm, I'm, I guess, aligned with the other guys, trying to think about what can be done or what should be done in order to make it work. Very interesting. That's and I want... Good, good. Thank you. And I want, Christine, I want to bring you on on this. You, you mentioned to me something about battery life cycle anxiety. And based on what Maurizio just talked about, I'm thinking it goes both ways. The battery life cycle anxiety would be for the owner or user of the EV who needs to get that charge, damn it, so they can go somewhere. But on the other side, or all the people are saying, oh, there goes Maurizio charging his car again. We're not going to have power to cook dinner tonight. So I think it goes both ways. You want to comment on that, Christine? Oh, well, certainly that, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, a car is the equivalent of adding, um, you know, a house to the grid uh, in terms of uh, it, it's, its charge requirements. So there does certainly need to be some coordination in terms of um, uh, planning uh, how the grid has to be built out or has to be uh, supplemented on the distribution grid side, especially uh, for particular um, zip codes, because there's uh, been, been some uh, notice that, there is a, a, a viral effect to uh, one person gets um, an EV or a, a, a plug-in hybrid. Uh, soon there are a couple of others on that block or in that vicinity. So 
Um, there, there, it's, it's a, a good beneficial effect, but, um, of course, it does mean that um, each utility is going to have to be aware of that and understand how they might need to uh, make changes in their, their plans and where they're going to be doing upgrades in the distribution grid. With that said, then there's also the opportunity for what we would consider bidirectional charging or, or smart charging, where EVs could also feed back energy to the grid. And, again, uh, at the distribution grid level, that's going to require some um, some upgrades in technologies in order to support that. But that really does uh, open up the uh, possibility for EVs to allow consumers to become prosumers where you're producing mm-hmm. electricity as well as consuming, and that creates a very different type of electrical grid that's much more transactive in nature. Sounds very, sounds like giving back, that wonderful old phrase about, look what I got, I'm going to give back. I want to talk to Sam on a little technology here, some technical points. Uh, we haven't defined the plug-in hybrid. We're talking about the Ford C-Max Energy. The, uh, another plug-in hybrid would be the Chevy Volt and the all-electric Nissan Leaf in terms of battery pack size and how far you can go on one charge. So, Sam, you want to give us a little detail here, please? Sure. So a plug-in hybrid is a car that has a electric drivetrain, but it also has a backup internal combustion engine that can power create electricity for that drivetrain. So it doesn't just run on the batteries alone. Or it, it runs on the batteries, but then when those batteries are out of power, then it can revert to the electric uh, uh, to the internal combustion engine. Um, and, and, and usually the term electric vehicle is re- reserved for an all-electric vehicle that only has okay. batteries. Um, you have different uh, battery sizes. So a Nissan Leaf has a 24-kilowatt-hour battery, and that gives you about a 100-mile range, somewhere between 80 and 100 miles. A, um, and then you have something with a whole lot of batteries. You can get a Tesla Model S with over 80-kilowatt-hours, in it, and that would give you about a 200-mile range. Um, and then you can go much slower. So, for instance, I have a plug-in Toyota Prius that plugs mm-hmm. in and has a 4-kilowatt-hour battery, and that um, gives me about 12 miles of range. How do you feel when you drive your Prius? I was hoping somebody would bring up Prius, by the way. Thank you, Sam. How do you feel when you drive it and you know that you're get, you're going down on power and you haven't gotten where you're going or you haven't gotten back in your round trip yet? Is that truly the, the battery anxiety that Christine was mentioning? Do you feel that, experience it? Not with a plug-in Prius because I always have the internal combustion engine to back me up. Okay. So okay. that's the elimination of range anxiety through an internal combustion engine. However, we looked very carefully at a Nissan Leaf, and that's why we chose not to buy one. It does not have a backup generator. has a lot more batteries in it. But, um, you know, we just were so so afraid of ending up stopping in the middle of the highway because we ran out of battery power. And they yeah. talk about range anxiety. It, it's not anxiety. It's, it's terror. It's range terror. You know, that's <laughs> yeah, the worst nightmare so. of any driver is that you just stop right there and you can't go anymore. I think so. I'm, I'm reflecting on what I said about our power outages here after Hurricane Sandy in the Northeast. And after we got power back, we were on restricted fueling at gas stations. And I waited last Saturday night from 11.45 p.m. in front of a gas station where the tanker truck was already refilling their tanks. It was I was the eighth car in line, too good to be true. Then I found out they weren't opening the station until 1 a.m. So I hunkered down with a bottle of water, <laughs> didn't drink too much, and a, a blanket and kept the engine off. And at 1 o'clock, they opened, and I was out of there 
at 115. So that was my hour and a half of restricted because I was the odd number license plate. So in that condition, I wouldn't have been able to do too much if I had low power on my electric car, Sam, but I wouldn't have been able to do too much on the combustion engine because I couldn't get the gas. So kind of a right. push me, pull you. In that case, you've got range anxiety with a gasoline engine, which is a problem. <laughs> There you go. Now, I want to get Allah into the, yeah, a lot of anxiety. Allah, I want to bring you into this. You talk about, let's go back to the EVs, uh, the demand patterns on the uh, on the power grid. And how would the conversation go? Uh, Christine was talking about how many people on the block have the EVs, and it's equivalent of having a house added to the grid. So how would that conversation go, Allah, and from your point of view, in terms of, okay, I'm a, I'm a grid company, I'm an electric company, and I just saw four Priuses or four Leafs be bought on that. That neighborhood, and how do I talk to those people and say, well, wait a minute, you can only charge in the morning and you can only charge on Saturdays. How does that conversation open, Allah? Uh, it, well, it, it, it doesn't at the moment because um, the, the utilities don't really know how to, how to start it. And um, in, in a way, the, the technology is still not there because what the utilities would like to do is actually control the charging um, from, from their own central systems. Uh, that won't happen for all sorts of reasons, but um, I think we're... It, it, just to go back to something Christine mentioned, we're kind of moving, yes. definitely moving towards a more transactional, uh, and I even agree with that, with that word, transactional grid. Uh, but there's another level to that, which is, um, you know, a, a, a few years down the line, people will start having more combined heat and power in their houses uh, or in their district and more um, solar panels. And then you can, you can sort of cut the grid out of, uh, completely. So you can be charging your car uh, off your own solar panels when, when you're not when you're out, you know, when you're when you're not drawing power, uh, or through um, a local combined heat and power scheme, so the, the you know the, the whole grid is changing, and it's a bit of a puzzle, and all sorts of things need, need to fall into place before we get you know a reliable energy, a reliable grid with electric vehicles being plugged in at the same time and then driving off at the same time in the morning. Thank you, Allah. You know, we're going to go to our next break. And when we come back, Allah, I'd like to continue talking about whether EVs are really the green option. And coincidentally, for all of my guests, I found out that somebody is following me on Twitter I had never met. Obviously, that's the way it goes today. He's the author of a book called Green Illusions, Ozzy Zenner. I'm not plugging the book. But I checked his website, and he says... Electric vehicles are more symbolism and marketing than environmental and fossil fuel saviors. Let's talk about that a little bit, and let's talk about greenness when we come back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, speaking with Christine Herzog, Sam Jaffe, Ala Owena, and Mauricio Catano here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. So much more to talk about. Don't even think of touching that app, and I hope you have power. We'll be right back. Brad, out. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business 
you're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are, je pense, don't je suis, okay, and carpe diem and all that good stuff. Okay, Ala Owen, I want you to pick up where we left off. You say we need to remember that EVs, electric vehicles, for those who are just joining us, are not automatically the green option. It depends on how green the primary power is, how efficient they are, and how they are manufactured and decommissioned. Talk to me, Ala, what do you mean? Well, basically, I mean... Um it, it just depends how we uh, how we make uh, electric vehicles and how we use them. So, if you imagine a situation where uh, you've switched, uh, say, given country X, and everybody's switched to electric vehicles because of uh, local air pollution reasons or because they're cheaper, but they're generating all their power uh, using coal-fired power plants. Uh, and guess what? They're getting rid of all their uh, uh, internal combustion engine cars and dumping them all in. Uh, you know, setting them as scrap metal and replacing them with shiny new cars with a lot of new components, with a lot of electronics, with a lot of chemicals used to make the batteries. Uh, that's obviously not green. Now, that's not, that's not how people are proposing to use electric vehicles, and electric vehicles will, um, you know, have, uh, will give us a chance to, be, to, have a lot, uh, to have an infrastructure that's a lot greener uh, because a lot of the primary generation isn't going to be coming from coal and also because that's something you can't do with internal combustion engines. And there's, um, there's also, uh, there's also uh, what environmentalists call li- a life cycle analysis that needs to be done and is probably being done by somebody um, to just compare whether, um, whether all, the, all the emissions that come from manufacturing the, green, uh, the, the electric vehicle can be compensated by using it for uh, X number of years. There are all sorts of... Um, all sorts of uh, trade-offs that you need to think about. So it's not automatically a green option. And I don't know if anybody else on the panel wants to chime in. <laughs> well, Mauricio here, I, yes. I think uh, it, there's a point in, in this discussion, but at the same time, I, I just want to put a different perspective to it. Uh, at the moment, pollution coming from cars cannot be controlled. You, you know, it's millions of cars going around. So even though I agree with you, you need to generate more electricity because somewhere the energy needs to come from, it's much easier to control pollution in, in a central uh, location like a power station compared to millions of cars going around. Uh, in terms of suddenly um, throwing your cars uh, in the junkyard and, and creating pollution in that sense, I think it's not going to happen. You know, it, It's going to be... a, a a process that will take time. Having said that, I do believe that the real answer would be pure electric vehicle compared to the hybrid, because the hybrid, to me, combines the worst of the two worlds. You've got combustion engine and electric vehicles, and you've got two of everything, which means double manufacturing process, double maintenance, and everything like that. But I, I guess it's not 100, 0% um, pollution, but it's certainly not the same as um, what we have today. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with Mauricio's comments too. That uh, you mm-hmm. know, it, it's you know, on the uh, 
you know, bigger scale of looking th- at things from an overall system perspective, um, it is uh, uh, still a win to move to electric vehicles uh, for a number of reasons. And uh, as the world converts away from coal, and uh, today actually is the start of the uh, cap-and-trade auctions in, in California regarding uh, carbon, um, we'll, we'll, set, we'll certainly see uh, that trend line continuing and uh, fossil fuels, coal, um, oil, um, even natural gas, they, they will get more expensive over time because of, uh, you know, finally bringing in those costs that uh, had never really been uh, factored in before, all those external costs into uh, the price of carbon fuel. So I, I do agree with Mauricio that uh, as the transition occurs, we're, we're just going to uh, gradually clean up our transit system as we electrify it. Very interesting. I want to bring in something about emissions targets, and then I want to talk in the time we have left in this segment, I want to talk about what the utilities can do, uh, Christine, especially Smart Grid. How smart can the grid be in terms of the, a new business model that's going to be required? So uh, Mauricio sent me the following. At a time when government and policymakers dictate targets such as 2020-20, that's 20% reduction in emission, 20% renewables by 2020, okay, that's a lot of 20s, utilities are struggling with reduced access to capital and investments funded by public entities, as well as low profit margins, uncertainty over tools, and methods for the smart grid that will require large investments. So who wants to take that? Uh, we, can, we can segue from emissions into how smart the grid needs to be to cope with all this. Who wants to jump in? Well, I, I, I can start with that, um, yes. Bonnie. The, um, the grid definitely needs to get smarter. And, and mm-hmm. what essentially the definition of a smart grid is, is bidirectional energy and information. And you require both of those in order to fully uh, leverage the capabilities and the potential that EVs can, can provide to the grid. And uh, it gets to things such as, uh, having in the intelligence in the grid and in the charging stations and in the cars themselves to recognize price signals or recognize um, uh, commands on when to charge or how much to charge. Mm-hmm. It also uh, re- relies on signals where it might be a discharge back into the grid so that your EV is selling electricity and actually a vehicle that makes money for you. Um, it requires, as I said earlier, that distribution grid needs to be uh, upgraded in order to support a bidirectional flow of electricity. And as was earlier mentioned, too, um, uh, homes themselves that have the ability to generate electricity via rooftop or, or small wind turbines or, or any other means could be uh, putting that electricity directly into vehicles that are plugged into what you would consider the home grid or that microgrid. So there are a lot of opportunities for uh, smart entrepreneurs out there to start thinking about what kinds of solutions will help make this vision a reality? And there are certainly a lot of gaps in, in that vision right now. Well, uh, it's been called a wilderness of wishful thinking by some people, but it sounds like the wish is on a good, a good track and that it's a good wishful thinking. Uh, Sam Jaffe, anything you want to chime in on this in terms of the smart grid or these emission standards? You're my, my car expert. What do you think? Well, I would definitely say that the uh, the electric utilities are are kind of caught between a, a rock and a hard place in the sense that they are you know they're they're trying to deal with this new mobile appliance, 
and they don't have much uh, much capital to spend on on upgrading anything at this point. So one one of the potential solutions for that, at least in the near term, here in North America, is um, is is pushing 110 volt charging, so regular outlet charging, which for a small battery pack is is all you need to do the job. So for a Chevy Volt or a plug-in Prius or a Ford C-Max, that's that's really all you need. Um, and if you do if you do it at 110 volt, you don't need to to upgrade the electrical system in the house, and it's a lot less strain on the grid. So it's it's more akin to a hair dryer turning on, as opposed to a clothes dryer turning on. It's less of a solution in Europe because uh, you already you're, you're starting from 220 volt um, service. So so an, a European household already is at 220 volts. So it makes sense to go to 220 volt charging, but in North America, it could reduce the strain on the grid. Okay, thank you, Sam. And uh, Maurizio, I want to talk to you. I want you to come in a little bit on the word collaboration. We haven't mentioned it. I used the word partnership earlier in the show, but the idea of collaboration between the utilities, which you say are notoriously slow to react and change, okay, and automotive and high-tech companies, that's what's going to be required to deliver the major innovations we're looking for. We've been talking about it, around it, but I, I think collaboration is the way to go. So, Maurizio, what's your, what is your thought on what it's going to take to get those three partners to sit down at the table and actually talk and listen to each other? Well, well I think, um, you know, we, we just said that investment uh, are required, and I think mm-hmm. utilities need to um, to see the opportunity that they, uh, the EV is going to give um, uh, electric companies uh, or electricity companies because basically, you know, it's uh, suddenly they have access to a much bigger market that until now has been – uh, uh, you know, run by the oil companies. <clears throat> so there is money to be made, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, utilities are, are as, you, as we said, they're very slow and they don't necessarily see the, the entrepreneurial side of things. So I think collaboration with um, either companies that are used to uh, and thrive in, 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 in changing situations like uh, telecommunication companies, you know, or co- uh, Internet companies, they, you know, suddenly from, from nothing they start making money or TV, cable TV, that kind of stuff. And, and the IT, uh, the high technology companies are needed because, as we said, services are not there yet. So there are individual components. We know how to charge the car. We know how to build the customer for, for energy. Maybe we can find a charging station with, with the GPS. But in order to, to, to make the service uh, uh, competitive and, and reliable for, for customers, you really need to put together. And there could be the, the, the automotive, automotive company that will make a deal with a, with a utility company to say, okay, I'm going to install a charging station at your point. I'm going to give you a, a discount price because I've got this uh, bulk uh, agreement with, with an electric company. So. You know, there's a, a lot of uh, new companies that are coming up uh, that they install themselves um, charging stations in 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 a, on the street, and they give you charging cards, and then they deal with everything else. So, I think collaboration is, is needed. The thing is, I don't know how to stimulate this collaboration because, at least from a from a utility point of view, they're not really used to this kind of changing environment. I don't know if yes, anyone sir. has got experience. 
And of course, the fourth partner at the table would be the end user because they have to talk about their consumption patterns, what's going to save money and get them the best mileage for where they're trying to go. Damn it, right? Uh, we have, let's see, a minute till break. I just want to have Allah weigh on on this before we go in. Allah, any thoughts on, on the business model for the smart grid or for this collaborative partnership we've been talking about? Just give me 30 seconds and then we're going to go to break. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's, a, there's a way of uh, making, it, making it economical for people because it's, it's worth a lot for the utilities to um, control this capacity and to control, uh, to control how people use their energy. So they could do it by just having dynamic prices where, you know, at times that are normally peak times, they could charge more for, the, for electricity and provide an incentive for people to use it less at those times, charge less at times when people use electricity less. And so that would kind of give an incentive for a lot of people to innovate and find ways of using that price difference uh, and providing consumers with, with things that can benefit from that price difference. Thank you, Allah. Good points all. We're going to go to our final break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham with Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. When we come back, I'm going to ask my four esteemed experts to talk about the future of EVs, electric vehicles, electric mobility, the smart grid. What will it all be like in 2017, and what can you expect to have in your garage? We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that app. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Oh, why not? Let's get back. We're having such a good time here talking about electric mobility. I have such great panelists today, uh, and they're just keeping up the tradition of sharing a lot of great information. I do want to tell my listeners that if you're a game changer on the go, I've got a complimentary CIO playbook for you on how mobility can, t- can transform your business. I'll give you an easy link to go to. Just go to spr.ly, you know, sprinkler, spr.ly forward slash game dash changers. You'll see a whole page of free offers. Love for you to learn from us, and we can share this great information with you. So it's time for our crystal ball segment christine herzog smart grid library let's talk to you what's coming up in five years christine can you look that far ahead as far as electromobility evs prevalence uh the battery anxiety the smart grid what's happening give me about a minute and a half go okay uh from policy perspective regulators who uh provide a lot of guidance to uh the regulated investor and utilities in the uh, u.s will uh be 
providing uh, more comprehensive and intelligent policies that will help spur um, the adoption of EVs, and that will be at the federal, state, and local levels. Uh, from a technology perspective, we're going to see the distribution grid uh, is going to get um, upgraded so that it's going to do a better job of supporting EV charging um, across the country, but um, most prevalent on both coasts in the U.S. But uh, there will be significant improvements in battery technology that will reduce and even eliminate range anxiety. Um, you can always uh, look to IBM's uh, Battery 500 project as one of the um, you know, visionary goals uh, to, that's striving to do that. And then finally, we're just going to continue to see more innovation in terms of business models and in uh, opportunities for consumers to identify what the real benefits will be in terms mm-hmm. of utilizing EVs or uh, plug-in hybrid EVs as their primary transport uh, for personal transportation needs. Thank you, Christine. Always good predictions from you. Ala Awena from Ovum, talk to me. What do you see? Can you look ahead to 2017 or a different time frame, Ala? Uh, let me just find my crystal ball. It's just uh, okay. on the table somewhere. Shine <laughs> um, it up there. I, Pol- polish it up. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I just... Um, uh, I just remember um, a friend of mine recently got um, uh, a car from his employer that was uh, basically the UK model of the Chevy Volt, and he was really happy with it because he didn't have range anxiety. Uh, his job involves him driving all day, but it was also very cheap to run. He was really happy that he could just um, uh, plug it in at home and um, leave it plugged there overnight, and it would it cost him surprisingly little money. So I think that's that's a model that's very attractive and a lot a lot. A lot more people will be sort of drawn into electric mobility because of plug-in hybrids. Um, so that's a very near-term prediction. Uh, a bit, mm-hmm. a bit further down the line, you'll get um, you'll get a lot more people who, um, you know, organisations that use a lot of cars switching to electric vehicles and then having their own charging infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, things like, uh, well, here in London you have um, car sharing services uh, where you just rent a car by the hour. And those people are in a very good position to um, to switch to electric vehicles. Uh, you, you also get public transit systems. Uh, I mean, it's already happening, but you'd, you'd get a lot of them switching to electric vehicles because they can have their own charging infrastructure um, and they can invest a lot in it. So, so that's that's the near-term prediction. Uh, further than that, my Microsoft ball gets fuzzy, and um, it all mm-hmm. depends on how how the how smart the grid gets and how much investment uh, the grid gets in terms of. Uh, becoming smarter and also in terms of having uh, more uh, decentralized, decentralized power. Uh, and again, the, the, how good batteries get in terms of technology is another, is an, is another uh, really important factor. Thank you, Ala Oena at Ovum. Sam Jaffe, currently at IDC. Sam, what do you see in the crystal ball? How far ahead can you look and how shiny is that crystal ball today? So we just did a forecast, actually. So I, I have a very shiny crystal ball. Not okay. sure if it's right or not, but it's very shiny right now. <laughs> so okay. our uh, our forecast for 2017 is about 3 million vehicles um, globally for the 2017 year, which means uh, approximately 3%, somewhere between 3 and 4% of the annual production of vehicles will be some form of plug-in vehicle. 
Um, so that's not a lot. However, 3% of the automotive market is an enormous business. It's many, many billions of dollars. So it's, it's a new vehicle type that is going to have some traction over the next five years. In the medium term, now we don't forecast beyond five years, but in the medium term, I think one area that's going to have a big impact is fleets of electric vehicle taxis. And that's mm. going to make a lot of sense in the in the near term. And if you look at, um, for instance, the New York City taxi cab, uh, the average um, usage is is about 150 miles um, per day of driving, mm-hmm. um, which is less than you would imagine. But you, remember, they spend a lot of time sitting there and not not moving. So we're pretty close to that with our with the Nissan Leaf range. So you you know you're pretty close to satisfying an, a, a battery driven taxi taxi needs. Um, and then long term, again, I've mentioned again the, the concept of micro hybrids. I'm I'm convinced that it's a no brainer that over the long term, every car will eventually have have at least a little bit of electricity in their drivetrain. Sam, just quickly, where would a charging station be in a metropolis like Manhattan? Where where would the cab go to get charged at the end of the day to the taxi garage? To the taxi garage or to a battery switching station, a la the, the Better Place model, which actually makes a lot of sense in a place like Manhattan. Very good. Thank you so much. And let's turn to Maurizio Catano. Maurizio, crystal ball, what do you see from your perspective at SAP? Okay, so I think five years is not a long time, um, mm-hmm. but I believe that uh, pure electric vehicle will become much more competitive in terms of uh, quality service range and, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, the, the situation will be definitely different from today where you compare maybe a 90 miles uh, range to, I don't know, 500, 600 miles with a combustion engine where hybrid become almost uh, uh, the, the only alternative you have. So in five years, it will be cars that can run three, 400 miles. So at least for city travel or intercity travel, not in U.S., of course, but in, in Europe and other countries, it would make sense. So, and I think at the same time, electric vehicle, uh, vehicles are cool. So, you know, <laughs> I can see Rolls-Royce and Bentley investing in, uh, in electric vehicles, Porsche. So I think it's going to be a, a, a fashion, fashionable thing. And I think the grid will be developed, as my grid, because renewables will put pressure on, on, on utility companies to do something about it. So, and that will probably um, help uh, handling and managing the variable load from uh, electric vehicles. So I think in five years, I don't think there will be a winner, whether it's a hybrid or EV, but it's definitely going to be much clearer, especially, especially in big cities. Okay. So I'm planning Thank to buy a, an electric Porsche. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, there's a, a place for investment on both sides. I have a quick bonus question for all of my guests. I'll give you 10 seconds to answer. Let's start with Christine. Electric vehicles, are they more symbolism in marketing? Or are they really going to be fossil fuel saviors? Yes or no, Christine? Which one? Uh, the latter. They're, they're going to uh, help us transition away from fossil fuel. Wonderful. Okay, let's go to Ala Owena. What do you think? Wishful thinking or fossil fossil fuel saviors? I I think they're definitely fossil fuel fuel saviors, Uh, uh, but uh, there are lots of things that need to be done before that happens, and uh, uh, we're still a long way off from that. Okay, good to know. And let's go to uh, Sam Jaffe. What do you think? Are we going to be saving fossil fuels seriously? 
an internal combustion engine uh, is 25% efficient, meaning 75% of the energy value of that gasoline is wasted. Um, electric vehicle is 95% efficient. That's the fundamental proposition of electric vehicles. Once the batteries get cheap enough, they will definitely displace fossil fuel cars. Thank you very much, Maurizio Catania. Last but of course not least, what do you say? Are we talking about marketing and symbolism or the real deal, fossil fuel savings with EVs? Well, I don't know whether it's going to be fossil fuel savings. Certainly would be uh, pollution saving. Uh, but, you know, considering considering the much better efficiency, I do agree overall. Uh, okay, that's it. Savings. Thank you very much. And I have to save 40 seconds for myself. Coming up, I have my predictions. Wednesday, November 21st, the day before U.S. Thanksgiving, we're going to be talking about duet, game-changing technology minus the gory details. I'm going to have a specialist talking about online entertainment, gambling, gaming, and other fun topics and the UIs that make them possible. Listen in and we will explain. Wednesday, November 28th, on our way to Christmas season. OMG, Macy's is at Christmas trees up for a month already. Our topic will be transforming corporate banking. Show me the money and whom can you trust? I want to say special shout-outs to Patricia Harris, Anka Rebel, Malcolm Kimberlin, and the Business Channel team, and Brad Smith. And I want to say thank you to my special guests, Christine Herzog, Ala Owena, Sam Jaffe, Maurizio Cateno, wishing you all everything wonderful. And keep plugging in and keep plugging on. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and my shout-out to everyone is, what are you waiting for? Go out and be a game-changer today. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.